It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everyone. Welcome to the program. God bless you all. You've noticed, I'm sure, that I appeal to logic a lot. And logic may be a tough pill for some of you to swallow. But I believe it is necessary and will profit you in the long run. We are still giving an overview of the 12 points that show Christianity is true. I've discussed four of the points so far. So I will repeat them without comment and then proceed to the other points. First, truth about reality is knowable. Second, the opposite of true is false. This is axiomatic. Third, it's true that a theistic God exists. Fourth, miracles are possible. I ended the last episode with this statement. If miracles are impossible, then the Bible is useless because it is riddled with miracles. But, on the contrary, if a theistic God does, in fact, exist, as stated in point three, and he brought the universe into being out of nothing, then miracles are not only possible, but miracles are actual because the greatest miracle has already occurred, the creation of the universe. A God who could do that could certainly perform lesser miracles if he so chooses. If you settle the question of God's existence, then miracles cease to be a problem. The fundamental question of whether miracles are possible is not a scientific but a philosophical question. Science can only say miracles do not occur in the ordinary course of nature. Science can't forbid miracles because natural laws do not cause anything and therefore cannot forbid anything. Natural laws are merely descriptions of what actually happens. In his book, Questions of Science and Faith, Professor J. N. Hawthorne declares, quotes, Miracles are unusual events caused by God. The laws of nature are generalizations about ordinary events caused by Him. End quotes. The New Testament says Jesus took water and made it into wine. Is that believable? Well, of course it is. If God can take nothing and make a universe, then it is really no problem to part the waters of the Red Sea, make it possible for a person to walk on water, or turn it into wine. 
The multiplication of the loaves of bread and fishes would be no problem to a God who created matter and life in the first place. A virgin birth or a physical resurrection from the dead would be minor miracles in comparison to the miracle of creating the universe from nothing. A God who can bring life to dead matter can certainly bring life to a dead corpse. All of those miraculous events are simple tasks for an infinitely powerful God who created the universe in the first place. Of the 12 points that show Christianity is true, point five is this. The primary purpose of a miracle is to confirm a message from God. Miracles confirm that a prophet of God was telling the truth of God to the people of God. God communicates with humanity in a variety of ways through reason, experience, history, emotions, the scriptures, the incarnation of Jesus, and nature. God uses prophets, apostles, and elected persons of his choosing as spokespersons for the task of communicating to people. The Bible employs four basic words to describe miracles. Sign, this is found in John 3, verse 2. Wonder, in John 4, verse 48. Mark 2, verse 12. And chapter 4, verse 41. Work, found in John 7, verse 3 and verse 21. And power, found in Mark 6, verse 2, 5, and 14. Several scriptural passages link miracles, signs, and wonders with the message God wants to communicate. For example, Acts 2, 22 says, Jesus was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. Nicodemus said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know you are our teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. That's found in John 3, verse 2. Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4 states, after it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them by signs and wonders and by various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Regarding the topic of miracles confirming God's message, Norman Geisler says this, When God gives a new sermon... He gives a sign to confirm it. Whenever he gives a new revelation, he gives a new confirmation. Whenever he gives a new message, he provides a miracle to confirm the message. The Bible is the only book in the world that claims to be and proves to be the Word of God by supernatural confirmation. Then point six is, the New Testament documents are historically 
reliable. This will be the second major point of the 12 points. The first major point is point three, the existence of the theistic God. There are several lines of evidence that support the reliability of the New Testament documents. These include the number, dating, accuracy, and confirmation of the available manuscripts. Most books from the ancient world number between 10 to 20 copies. By stark contrast, there are over 5,800 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament in Greek and 19,000 in other languages. That makes an overwhelming total of nearly 25,000 ancient New Testament manuscripts. There are no close seconds for any book from antiquity. There is only about one century between the time of composition and the earliest New Testament manuscript. By contrast, most other ancient books have about a thousand-year gap, with the shortest gap being about 500 years. The noted New Testament manuscript scholar Bruce Metzger estimated the New Testament has 99 plus percent accuracy. Even the New Testament critic Bart Ehrman admits the manuscript variants do not affect the basic doctrines of the New Testament. The New Testament critic John A. T. Robinson wrote a book Honest to God, criticizing traditional Christian theology. The interview about it occurred in a magazine, The Observer, bore the provocative title, quotes, Our Image of God Must Go, end quotes. C.S. Lewis, in his last interview before his death, was asked about Robinson's book and the interview. Lewis replied, Quote, I prefer being honest to being honest to God, end quote. Lewis also wrote an article entitled, Must Our Image of God Go?, which appeared in The Observer after Robinson's interview. Despite Robinson's not being a friend of Christian theology, he admits that, Quotes, the wealth of manuscript of the New Testament, and above all, the narrow interval of time between the writing and the earliest extant copies, make it by far the best attested text of any ancient writing in the world. In the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, see chapters 9 through 12, the authors, Norman Geisler and Frank Turek, apply the historical test criteria that historians use to determine the veracity of a given historical document. These criteria include, one, early testimony, two, eyewitness testimony, three, testimony from multiple independent sources, four, corroborating evidence, five, enemy attestation, and six, embarrassing testimony. I list four historical tests which the New Testament documents pass successfully. 
First, we can find multiple references of eyewitness testimony in the New Testament. See 2 Peter 1, verse 16, and 1 John 1, verse 1. At the very outset of his gospel, Luke was careful to emphasize that his account was based upon reliable, first-hand, eyewitness sources. See Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the past, there were a number of instances in which archaeologists thought Luke might have been wrong about a particular issue. But subsequent archaeological evidence has vindicated Luke. Second, the New Testament writers included the embarrassing details. For example, Peter denying Jesus three times, being addressed as Satan by Jesus, the disciples scattering like a bunch of scared rabbits when Jesus was arrested, and Thomas's doubt about the resurrection of Jesus. Third, Contrary to the low view expressed by skeptics of the New Testament accuracy, the reliability of the New Testament has been corroborated over and over again by archaeological finds produced by both Christian and non-Christian scholars and scientists. Also, ten known extra-biblical writers whose writings date very close to the time of Christ collectively corroborate 12 basic facts about Jesus that are remarkably congruent with the New Testament. Fourth, these corroborations would qualify as early testimony. More evidence could be given, but I think this is enough to convince you that the different historical tests confirm the reliability of the New Testament documents. Therefore, the New Testament documents are not fables, not myths, not fiction, not deceptions, but they are history. Therefore, they can be trusted. At this point, I'm not appealing to the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. That will be shown later. Right now, I am simply saying that evidence can be given that shows that the New Testament is trustworthy. If that is not true, then everything Christians believe is on shaky grounds. The books of the New Testament tells us that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, to be the only way to God, and that he proved it by his resurrection. If the New Testament is not trustworthy, then much of what we know about Jesus is up for grabs. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, Doug Apple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.